The Rays Radio Network proudly presents This Week in Rays Baseball. The 2-2. Swing and a miss. Hey, struck out. And goes down. And that's eight strikeouts for Shane McClanahan. Coming up, we'll recap the action from this past week. Take a look around Major League Baseball and sit down for in-depth interviews with the biggest names in the game. First pitch to him. Line back up the middle, but there is Franco. To the left of the bag, he turns and throws him out, and the Rays have won it in Atlanta. This week in Rays Baseball starts right now. And welcome to our latest program, everybody. My name is Chris Adams-Wall. We're glad to have you with us. In this week's show, we'll sit down with featured guest Jake Diekman and discuss the veteran left-hander's illustrious journey through Major League Baseball. The Rays' top three selections of the 2023 draft Braden Taylor, Adrian Santana, and Colton Ledbetter will join us to discuss being taken by Tampa Bay, and we'll take a look at their respective collegiate and high school careers. Rays Director of Amateur Scouting Chuck Ritchie returns to share his thoughts on his first MLB draft and how he feels Tampa Bay did with their selections overall. And finally, Rays General Manager Peter Bendix stops by for a midseason review. And we continue on this week in Rays Baseball with our featured guest, Tampa Bay reliever Jake Diekman. Jake, thanks for taking the time. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So this is your first year with the Rays. Tell us about how you're feeling right now. I think you're playing really well. Yeah, overall I feel like I'm throwing the ball pretty well. Um, As a team, there's always highs and lows through a month or a week or a year. Um, Yeah, we're playing great. kind of doing everything all together which is part of winning baseball and uh it's really fun you've had kind of an interesting season though you started the year with the chicago white Sox, and then you were designated for assignment back in early may then you were released ultimately a few days after that but then a few days after that you signed with the rays so can you describe to the listeners what that stretch of what was almost a week was like uh you get dfa'd I knew no one was going to pick me up um, because they'd have to cover the the full salary. Uh, So you kind of wait. We went home the next day. Within like 12 hours, we were back home. Um, And then your agent talks to you. He's like, hey, this is probably going to happen. It's like uh, 72-hour, like 48 hours after that, like random timelines. And they're like, hey, by next weekend, you should know something. And I was like, all right. Like, you do get a little nervous, but you kind of know, like, the timeline, and you're just like, all right, whatever. And then this was my first choice to come to Tampa. Hmm. By the grace of God, it happened, like, within, once I was released, like, a day later. So it was perfect. Why was Tampa Bay your first choice? Their pitching lab, you know? Uh-huh. Uh, everyone's a guru here. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, and they just breed, like, positivity in you. Uh-huh. Um that's great. Did you feel like that positivity was missing with the White Sox and maybe some other teams that you played for? I mean, what's the biggest difference? Is that it, though, for, for the Tampa Bay Rays? Uh, just, like, pitching philosophy. So, like, I tell people this. You could throw 20 pitches and get rocked. What they're going to talk about is, like, the 16 that were really, really good. Yeah, does it suck to give up runs? 100%. Like, am I mad when I get pulled from a game? Yes, because... The, like the ladder system of how the game was supposed to go like I screwed that up or like vice versa like blah blah um, but overall like their pitching philosophy 
is super, super simple. It's like what everyone preaches, playing baseball growing up through the minor leagues, like everything. But you just like buy in here and then after three, four weeks, you feel really comfortable and free and easy and just let it, let it loose. So is it safe to say that this is the best that you felt about how you've been pitching and maybe in terms of just your how you're feeling as a human being since you've arrived here in St. Petersburg? Yeah, I'd say this is like when you have fun playing baseball, baseball is really enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Um, and winning helps a lot. Like winning baseball is super, super fun. And it doesn't, it doesn't hurt that our little four-year-old wants to go to the beach or the pool every day. So <laughs> hey, I can't really beat the weather. Yeah, let's talk about your kids. So you have Charlie and Palmer now. Charlie just came into the world a few weeks ago. What has it been like being a dad to two little girls? Uh, I mean, my toenails are painted right now. <laughs> um, she wants to paint my, my nails on my hands, and I'm like, honey, you can't do that. Uh, but toenails free reign. Um, it's awesome. I mean, you realize how little time you have when they're little. Um, from zero to like 10 goes by like that mm-hmm. like this off season she'll, our oldest Palmer will turn 5 um, I felt like we just had Charlie like last week and she's already 6 weeks old toddler childhood years go by super super quick and you realize that as a parent so you kind of just like like right before I mean I just got here 30 minutes ago and I was watching a mermaid movie about <laughs> an hour ago so like Hey, when I'm at home, I try to be like daddy duty because it sucks because my wife, she's the MVP. Like when I go on the road, we'll go seven, ten days on the road and she kills it. Right now, our since we've been home, our daughter has wanted to sleep in the middle of us. And I'm like, all right, whatever. <laughs> like I'm over it. No, no sense of fighting it. Yeah. And she's old enough where... Like here, like the raised kids room and stuff for all the kids on the team, like it's superb. Like she loves coming to the game. She hangs out with all the other little kids, like and that's what it's about. Like that's what she'll remember like when she slowly starts to grow up and gets older, she'll remember like all the time she came to the field or like I never want it to her not want to come to the field. Like if she thoroughly enjoys it she can, you can come every day and you can fall asleep at 11. I don't care. And what's been the best part about being a dad? Probably like the responsibility. Uh, it makes you grow up very quick. Like the first six months of a newborn, me and Mo, I've talked about it all the time. Like you just don't even remember doing it. Mm-hmm. It's just like your survival mode. So you just kind of figure it out on the fly. Watching them like learn a skill or like, something like verbal or figuring out how to like write a letter or watching them learn something that they're doing on on their own is super super gratifying Mm -hmm. and it makes you realize like how little like what I was talking about like how little until they're like 10 or 12 and then they're like fully fully independent and they don't really need you anything (laughs) Um, like that is the part it's like scary but also good Mm -hmm. like at some point you realize that that's going to run out but 
Well, they're growing up on the west coast of Florida at the moment. You grew up in Nebraska, a small town up there called Wymore. And I believe you now have a place in Beatrice, Nebraska, or close to it, or you did. We live outside Lincoln now. Okay. Yeah. But same general area, capital of of Nebraska is Lincoln, right? So what is it about the Cornhusker State for you? Me and my wife are from there. Um, It's super, super slow-paced. Like, Mm -hmm. when we go home, we don't rush anywhere. Um, It's just home. Mm -hmm. Like, all our family lives probably within five, ten minutes away. Mm -hmm. I love the off-season every Saturday in the off-season when the that Nebraska's plan, oh, it's the best. We get the extremes of all four seasons. Yep. In the summer, it will be over 100. In the winter, it'll be below zero. Hey, I love it. I can't, I wouldn't change it for the world. Now, I heard that your high school was too small to field a baseball team, so you spent a lot of time focusing on golf. I'm curious, do you still golf? And I don't golf as much as I should. (laughs) Uh, I only golf on off days on the road. Because if I played at home, Mama would kill me. <laughs> um, are you still pretty good, though? And are you a lefty? No, I golf right-handed. Okay. I golf and hit right-handed. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to be fairly, fairly, like, I used to be pretty, pretty good. Um, now, I, if I play six times a year, like, during the season, I, that's me playing a lot right now. In the off-season, I try, I try to go at least like once a week, but we only have like a month. Sure. Our little girl's school is right across the street from a golf course mm-hmm. and remembers there. So I try to like drop her off and then I'll go play or like when I pick her up, I'll leave like an hour early. Oh, uh-huh, <laughs> there you go. Play quick. But my guess is you grew up playing baseball. So then you get to high school and you're told how we don't have enough players to field the team. So what did you do then? Would you, would you go to a different town? No, uh, I would just play golf for school and then in the summer we would have legion ball gotcha so we would consolidate like two or three schools and then run it that way i also read that you worked full-time at a lawnmower factory in order to earn some money to pursue a post-secondary education do you still know a fair amount about lawnmowers and what was that experience like it was putting smaller parts in a box and then putting them in a bigger box uh i realized very quick that working 40 hours a week is very tough, mm-hmm. especially like in a factory. My dad did that his whole life. And then like a corn-fed heater, I put like the mechanical mechanical box of that together. That sucks because <laughs> I have pretty big hands and fitting them in a little box and trying to be super tedious. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't, what, when I was 19 that summer, I trained to work at Valvoline like as a grease monkey underneath. I lasted about two weeks and I quit. And that, that was, that by far was the hardest job. Because yeah. when you have to show up at five in the morning yeah. and it feels like a car just drove cross country and then pulls in and they're like, hey, change ball. And you're like, your car is the hottest thing on the planet. I was like, no, nah, I'm over it. So we're right around draft time. And all the way back in 2007, you were drafted in the 30th round by the Philadelphia Phillies. Mm-hmm. I tell people I was drafted 30th overall by the Phillies. I, that's not a bad way to do it, yeah. But leading up to that draft, you lost your mom, didn't you? Someone you were yeah. really close to. What was that 
whole experience like? And especially right around the time when you're trying to figure out, am I going to stay in college or am I going to go pro? Uh, I just signed with Nebraska, and she passed away February 4th. And then I think like two or three weeks later, I had to start in JUCO. Like that was the beginning of our season. Mm-hmm. Um, and then what? That would be four, five months later, mm-hmm. like I got drafted. So then I left for three, four months. Um, that was pretty hard because at that point, like me and my dad were so close mm-hmm. that it was like leaving your best friend. So then once I got like acclimated with pro ball and stuff, like come back and then we had like no time to think because like mm-hmm. she passed away. They went, I had to start in JUCO like two, three weeks later, got drafted like four or five months after that, left, came back and then we had like we finally had time to like process everything, so that was good. And do you still think about her and, and meditate yeah. whenever we get the Star Spangled Banner going? Yeah. yeah. Um, it's just like, well, shit, that was 07. Mm-hmm. So it's been a little while. Like, you still never, like, forget the people um, sure. in your life. But, uh, like, Palmer is named after her, Palmer Billy. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. Well, we really appreciate you taking the time with us today, Jake. Congratulations on landing with the Rays and all of the success that you've had so far. Best of luck the rest of the year. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. We certainly appreciate the time of Jake Diekman. We had a lengthy interview with the lefties, so you can hear part two of that interview next week on This This Week in Rays Baseball. Coming up on today's show, the Rays' top selections in the 2023 MLB Draft. That's on the other side of this break on the Rays Baseball Network. And welcome back to This Week in Rays Baseball. Last Sunday, the Rays had the 19th, 31st, and 55th overall selections in the 2023 MLB Draft, and 18 other picks over a three-day span. Tampa Bay selected TCU shortstop Braden Taylor with the 19th overall pick, and I got a chance to catch up with the Horned Frog to talk about going from his home state of Utah to the Sunshine State. I'm just ecstatic. You know, I'm just grateful that, you know, I heard my name called and like I said, I'm just ready to get to work. This is a is definitely just the beginning of a of a new chapter. And you were at the draft, right? Yes, what sir. Was that like? I mean, it's just it's an awesome experience. You know, I've been nothing but taken care of up here. Uh, glad to have my family with me. Uh, it's my first time in Seattle, so I thought that was awesome. Uh, yeah, nothing nothing but great things up here. You went to TCU, obviously, but you're from Salt Lake City, so I'm curious, how did you end up? all the way from Salt Lake City to Fort Worth, Texas. Yeah, I uh, I got with a uh, baseball academy when I was about 14 years old. It's a it's called Mountain West Baseball Academy. It's just a it's a good good baseball academy out there in Utah and that's when I started playing a little bit more travel ball. Uh, and that's uh, how I got a little bit more exposure. I was ended up uh, going to play in those tournaments down in Arizona and uh, that's when I got on TCU's radar out there. And what was it about TCU that drew you to it personally? Uh, personally, you know, when I took my first visit out there, um, I just, I really wanted to be a part of it. They had such a good culture there, not only from a baseball standpoint, but as a community standpoint. And I just felt like it was a place that I belonged And I'm very, very grateful that I made that decision. And I can't thank TCU enough for everything they've done for me. You had a pretty illustrious history at TCU and it culminated with you guys going to the college world series this past year. You made it all the way to the semifinals after 
losing to Oral Roberts in that opening game. First of all, when you lost to Oral Roberts, what was going through your head? Are you thinking, oh, no, this is over? No, I mean, not necessarily. I mean, that was a – we all knew that we had we had to get beat twice in there. So, we uh, – I mean, obviously losing wasn't fun, but uh, we definitely uh, played with our backs against the wall the rest of the time, and, you know, we went out there and had more success. So, Omaha was nothing but, you know, good to us and, you know, super grateful that we had that experience, uh, especially – with the, uh, the crazy year that we had, um, you know, at one point in the season that we, we weren't thinking that we were going to even make the playoffs. And so just the, just the opportunities that we had, you know, being able to bounce back and go as far as we did was just a, was a, such a good experience. I saw that you played 60 games at third base for the Horned Frogs, but only seven at shortstop. And yet on draft night, you were announced as a shortstop. So how did that happen? Well, I believe that, you know, I played shortstop all the time during the fall at uh, TCU. Got very comfortable there. Uh, but just during the season, you know, they, they put me at third base. Uh, that's just the way that things worked out. Uh, I'm grateful that, you know, I had that opportunity to move to third base uh, because it, you know, develops, you know, versatility. And, uh, and that's something that I pride myself on. And you hit 23 home runs last season. That was a career high, at least in college. Mm-hmm. Would you consider yourself a power hitter? No, definitely not. I think, uh, you know, I've never considered myself a power hitter or a home run hitter. I consider myself more, you know, more of a complete hitter, someone who can uh, has the ability to drive the ball with a little bit of power, but also has the ability to uh, hit for contact, hit for, you know, some some good hits. Uh, No, I pride myself on, you know, staying towards the middle of the field. But I think just naturally this past year is just a combination of, you know, getting stronger, being in the weight room and continuing to develop the swing. I read that some people had you going as high as sixth overall in this draft, and you are obviously taken 19th overall by the Rays. I'm curious, any disappointment there? No, no disappointment at all. You know, I knew that everything would be uh, good, a good outcome in the end. And like I said, just very, very, very happy to hear my name. So, yeah, no, no disappointment at all. What do you know about the Tampa Bay Rays, or do you know anything at all about them? No, I, def- I definitely continue to watch Major League Baseball. Obviously not as much since being in college. You know, I don't have a ton of time, but, you know, I'd love to go out and watch the highlights the next day. So I heard nothing but great things. So, you know, what's, what's there not to like, you know? Now, you went to Copper Hills High School in Utah, and I also read that you played in just three games your senior year before everything was shut down because of COVID. Mm-hmm. Was there disappointment there because – I know that you went undrafted in the 2020 draft, but there were only five rounds that year because it was COVID shortened. But what was going through your head there? Were you thinking to yourself, oh, man, is my baseball career over as I knew it? No, I definitely wasn't thinking any of that. No, I was thinking of, uh, you know, getting my next the next chapter of my life started going to uh, going to college. Uh, so that was that was where my mindset was the whole time. You know, definitely disappointed that the season got canceled, uh, cause, you know, no one likes to hear, you know, that your season's over early in the year, obviously. But, you know, that's when I just took the time to, you know, focus on getting ready for uh, getting ready for Fort Worth and being down there at school. I saw that you played in the Cape Cod League with the Falmouth Commodores, I believe it is. And you yes, used sir. wooden bats there, obviously. But at TCU, you're using metal bats. You had a 941 OPS out on the Cape. What was that summer like? Uh, that summer was awesome, you know. I think uh, it was just a good experience. You know, I had never been up in the uh, the Northeast as much in my life as I have been in the West. Uh, so I think that, 
you know, just continue to develop experience and gain, uh, get those great opportunities, you know, and go out there and play against such good, uh, good competition. Uh, that was just something that, you know, I'll remember with me for the rest of my life. And you grew up in Utah, as we discussed, you're from West Jordan, which is a southern suburb of the capital, Salt Lake City. Mm -hmm. Obviously, Salt Lake City doesn't have a Major League Baseball team yet, but they right. do have the AAA Salt Lake Bees. I'm mm -hmm. curious, did you go up? Did you grow up going to those games at all? Yeah, I definitely grew up going to the Bees games. So I thought that was a that was really cool seeing, you know, them going through their process. And then eventually, you know, seeing them up in the big leagues was cool because I could say that I watched that guy play, you know, just the other day. Um, so, yeah, definitely grew up going to those games. And what about the Utah Jazz? Do you like basketball at all? Are you a jazz fan? I'm absolutely. I'm the biggest jazz fan. Uh, you know, <laughs> we've gone through uh, some struggles these past years, but I think, you know, we're we're on the come up. <laughs> so you're still coping with losing Donovan Mitchell? Or are you OK with that? I don't know. That was super sad. But hey. You know, everything happens for a reason. Uh, you know, he, he seems to be doing really well, but, you know, can't thank him for everything he's done for the great state. And what do you do away from the diamond, Braden? You know, I'm a, away from the field uh, just these past three years. You know, I've had a, a ton of times just to spend quality time with my roommates, spend time with my friends that I made at uh, TCU. Uh, it makes it hard to, you know, sit in your room and play video games when you have uh, such good friends like that. Um, but you know, I still, I still do play the occasional video game. Uh, definitely like to, uh, to cook. We like to have a little bit of barbecues and, uh, have some people over, play some cards or something. Uh, just, you know, normal things like that. And last question before I get you out of here, at what point during your baseball career, be it elementary school, high school, or college at TCU, did you realize or think that, you know what, I have a chance to play professional baseball? I think uh, throughout my entire baseball career, I've always had the utmost confidence in myself uh, every time that I take the field. And so, you know, just to grow up where I did and go to the school that I did, I, I mean, I think I've always had that confidence in me that I, you know, had the chance to do this. And so just the ability to be out here and actually hear my name called, it's, it's just a surreal experience. And, you know, like I said, I'm ready to get to work now because this is just another, another starting point in my, uh, in my career. And a bonus question for you. What are you most excited about uh, when it comes to being drafted by the Tampa Bay Rays? I mean, I've always, you know, fell in love with the process and the work. And so my, the biggest thing that I'm excited is, you know, to get out there and, uh, you know, go to work. You know, that's a, you know, I pride myself in having good work ethic. And so I'm ready to get to work and see that hard work pay off. Well, thanks a lot for your time, Braden. We appreciate it. Thank you. Next up was Adrian Santana, another shortstop out of Dorrell Academy in Florida, whom the Rays chose with the 31st overall pick in the competitive balance round A. I told him, I was like, if it's not, if it's not Tampa, I don't want him. That was kind of always the joke between us. Um, once they told me that we were locked in with Tampa, I mean, it's kind of the happiest moment of my life. Is it kind of surreal to be drafted by a team in your home state? It doesn't even feel real, to be honest. Like, it was kind of always a dream. I always wanted to go to the Rays. I told him, I was like, I want the Rays. If it's not the Rays, I don't want them. Kind of joking around. Kind of now that the opportunity uh, presented itself, it doesn't even feel real, to be honest. And I know you got a full house there today. Who is in your house? And how did you find out that you were drafted by Tampa Bay? Um, it's mainly just family and friends. A lot of family. A couple of my coaches. Um, I was with my other advisor here, so we kind of, the first round ended, we knew we should be going the next couple of picks. So we met up in my room and we spoke to uh, our other agent that's in uh, 
he's over there in Seattle. You mentioned that you had a dream that you were drafted by the Tampa Bay Rays. When did that happen? And what happened in the dream? Must have been around two or three nights ago. I was I was at a high school game and I went to my car to pick something up and I kind of realized that every scout was from Tampa. I kind of woke up and I told my advice. I was like, bro, it's, it's kind of weird. Usually things that happen in my dreams end up happening, which I find pretty cool. But I told him, I was like, there's a couple of different scouts from other teams, but it's mainly just Tampa. So I'm going to have to rock with Tampa. We took the hat out. We got all the hats sent. I put Tampa aside. I was like, trust me, it's going to be Tampa. So it's pretty cool. What do you like best about the Tampa Bay Rays? Honestly, I went to their field and I told them it was the best field that I've gone to out of all of them. I don't know if it's the the environment, the I don't know what it is, but I fell in love with that field when I went to it. Yeah, tell us about that workout because it was at Tropicana Field, so you got your first taste of a big league diamond. Right. I mean, the field plays perfectly. It plays kind of like my turf field, which I was telling them how crazy it is that their dirt plays like our turf field. So I felt like I was just at home. And the ball kind of carries it, so I, I had a lot of fun hitting it from both sides. Now, you are a switch hitter, and I heard that you've only started to do that, what, recently, right? Like, when did you start becoming a switch hitter, and are you a natural righty or a natural lefty? I started after my sophomore year, so sophomore summer, and I'm a natural righty. And how did that come about? Is that something that you wanted to do, or, or was that something that one of your coaches suggested? My dad used to play, and he was a lefty, so it was kind of easy for him to teach me how to do it. And at the time, I kind of knew already how to hit righty, more or less, so I kind of knew what was right and wrong. And we kind of just tried it and see how it would end up. And you feel comfortable doing that? Yeah, it's so much fun hitting from the left side. I kind of get bored when I hit from the right side. It's like I've been doing it my whole life, so hitting lefty, it's, it's a lot of fun. What's the most difficult part about hitting lefty that maybe you didn't necessarily anticipate? I mean, I don't have to face lefty-lefty. I did it once my entire life that I've been hitting for three years and it's no fun. So I don't know how people do it. I'm glad I don't have to do it. Do you find that you have more power from one side versus the other? I did. If you would ask that a couple months ago, I would have stepped from the right-hand side. Not anymore. No, it's pretty even. I might, some days, just depends. Some days I might just go have more power from the right side in the VP and then other days I'll just have from the left. So it's, it's more or less the same by now. And you're drafted as a shortstop. Have you played other positions as well for Darrell Prep? My sophomore year, I was in the bench and I was hitting about four something. And the only spot available was at third. So I ended up starting at third half the year through. And I played a little bit of second as well. There. And then my junior year, I went to shortstop. Now, I know you said you didn't grow up rooting for any particular team. What about a particular player? Is there anybody that you try to model your game off of or anybody that you simply admire? When I was little, it was always Derek Jeter. Everything was about Derek Jeter, the way he moved, the way he played, everything, especially on the defensive side. And then as I started getting older, I kind of switched into Trey Turner, kind of the same ball player. It feels like I saw him play the other day, and I felt like I was watching myself, which is a lot to say, but just kind of the way he moves on the field, the way he runs, I, I see myself. Yeah, he played the Rays the other day. He, he hit a home run against them. You referred to yourself as the switch-hitting Trey Turner. So what is it? It's just the way that he moves in the field, or is it something about – the way that he swings the bat. What is it about Trey Turner for you? It's kind of everything. Mainly, I would say the speed, kind of how quick he is on the field. Some defensively, I think it might have been yesterday, the day before at the Martins game. It's kind of unreal how fast he really is. You don't see how much it really is when you see it in person. It's completely different. It's like a whole different ballpark. Um, when it comes to speed on the field, 
I even noticed we have kind of the same stance on the right side. So, I mean, everything is kind of my the player that I compare myself to the most. I read that you run a 6.1660 yard dash, so you're definitely faster than me. Congratulations. But Thank have you. you been this fast? And, and if not, where did the speed come from? I was always fast, but I usually say not this fast. As I got stronger, every time I gained weight, I got faster. So that's kind of always been the exciting part. Every time I gained weight, I was kind of expecting to get faster, which ended up happening. So every time I kind of gained muscle, gained strength, and that's where the speed came from. And what does Adrian Santana like to do off the field? I know you're just 17 years old. When you're not playing baseball, what are you doing? Me either playing video games or bothering my brother. That's about it. Which video games do you play? I play Valorant and, um, and MLB. Pretty good at MLB. And last question before I get you out of here, Adrian. What should Tampa Bay fans or Tampa Bay Rays fans know about you that maybe not many people do know about you? Any special skills, special talents? I'll be the most electric player in baseball in there. All right. You heard it here first. Thanks for taking the time, Adrian. And congratulations. Go celebrate. Thank you. Take care. The Rays' final pick of the night was Colton Ledbetter, an outfielder from Mississippi State, whom the Rays selected in the second round with pick number 55. Well, first of all, Colton, congratulations. Welcome to the Tampa Bay Rays. Describe what today was like for you. Uh, you know, I was a little bit of anxiety flowing, stressed out, but, uh, but I mean, it's it's out the gate now. I don't, it doesn't matter to me anymore, um, but uh I mean, incredible day. I've been I've been looking forward to this for a long time. Uh, I've been working hard for this is for a long time. Um, I'm just ready to get my journey started. So, yeah. Does it feel kind of surreal? Oh, 100 percent. Yeah. No, it's it's surreal. Yeah, it's it's crazy. It it doesn't feel real. Like it's it's wild. But it's an incredible feeling. Talk to me about transferring from Stanford to Mississippi State because it's not like the team name changed at all you went from the Bulldogs to the Bulldogs but why did you decide to go from Homewood Alabama to Starkville Mississippi well you know I uh, I grew up around Hoover and the SEC tournament growing up so you know I was always going to the SEC tournament and I've always wanted to play in the SEC and uh, you know I'm, I'm, a, I'm a competitor so that's SEC is always looked at as being you know the highest com- competitive uh, league in, in baseball so I really really was a great opportunity that I put myself in going from Sanford. Um, so, you know, I, I uh, took my chances, went to Mississippi State, but, uh, but yeah, no, I, uh, it, it's, uh, it, it helped me a lot. And uh, I'd say I went through a lot of things that I wouldn't have at Sanford. Um, yeah. You still had an amazing season at Mississippi State, though. This was your first year in the SEC. You hit 320 with 12 home runs and 52 RBIs. Seems like the transition went pretty well for you from Bulldogs to Bulldogs. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Well, I mean, you know, I, uh, um, it was, it was an easy transition. You know, the players on the team really welcomed me, uh, made me comfortable coming to the locker room. Um, and, uh, I kind of became a leader on that team pretty early on for the, for the younger players. So, um, that I really enjoyed helping them out and, and, uh, you know, sharing my thoughts about, about college baseball and what I've gone through and, uh, yeah. And I know you said you you became a more pure hitter, at least in your mind, going to Mississippi State. So how did that happen? 
my coach, Coach Gotro, uh, hitting coach at Mississippi State, we uh, we worked a lot. I was in his office a lot. You know, we were uh, watching synergy videos, uh, working in the cage early in the morning. You know, just anytime we could get working, we were getting working and uh, just trying different things out and uh, exploring different things. And, and we found a few things that helped me out, like a 2K fight. Um, so uh, just being able to shoot the ball the opposite way really, really helped me open up a lot of different options. Um, so, yeah. You mentioned that you went through some adversity in Starkville as well. Can you talk to us about that? Well, you know, just the whole season of uh, just the whole season was kind of a disappointment, which it's baseball, especially in the SEC. It's so competitive. Um, it's you never know what's going to happen. A few injuries on your team can can make you fall down to the bottom of the barrel, even though you might have the best lineup in the SEC, um, you know, but. But, yeah, I I, uh, I felt like the adversities that I went through this year, um just is preparing me for the for my next you know journey in my career. So, I saw you played high school baseball at Spain Park High School in Hoover, and Chris Ellis went there as well. And Ellis pitched for the Tampa Bay Rays for one game in 2021. So you might not be the first guy from Spain Park High School to play for Tampa Bay. Do you know Chris at all? I, I met him maybe a few times when he would throw some bullpens at uh, Spain Park, but I don't know him too well. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, he, he looked like a tough A.B. Um, whenever I was watching him in high school. So. <laughs> so for about seven and a half years, I was the voice of the Montgomery Biscuits, the double-A affiliate of the Tampa Bay Rays, which is in Montgomery, Alabama, just down the road from where you grew up. I know mm -hmm. the Birmingham Barons pretty well. They play almost in your backyard, just north of you in Hoover. And they used to play in Hoover, actually, at the Hoover Met. That's when they had Michael Jordan. Have you been to many Barons or Biscuits games in your lifetime? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I've been to, I've been to a bunch of Biscuits games, been to a bunch of Barons games. Uh, I actually just went to a, uh, a Barons game whenever they played the Rocket Rocket City Trash Pandas, I think it was. Um, yeah. So, yeah, no, I've, I've always – whenever I got the chance and I didn't have anything else to watch, I would always just try and go to the Barons game or the Montgomery Biscuits. Did you have a favorite team or a favorite player growing up? Yeah, I, I, I love Bryce Harper growing up. I uh, I modeled my I tried to model my game after him. Um, and uh, I love Acuna too. He's he's such an exciting player. Um, and Ellie De La Cruz, he's he's creeping up on my list now too. I mean, he's unbelievable. So uh, so yeah. Those are a couple of Southern League players you just mentioned who play the biscuits, Ronald Acuna and Ellie De La Cruz. I think you have one of the best names, not only in baseball, but in sports now. Colton Ledbetter. How do you feel about him? Uh, I mean, you know, that's that's the only name I've had growing up. And I, I love my name. So I feel like I feel like it's a big league name, too. Um, so, yeah. And, and what are you most excited about when it comes to being drafted by the Tampa Bay Rays and the prospect of playing for the Tampa Bay Rays? I would say just developing more as a player. Um, I feel like I've only scratched the surface of what I can be. Um, I feel like Tampa Bay Rays do a great job of developing their players and uh, moving them through their, through their uh, you know, farm system. So uh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to that, learning more about the game from professionals and uh, just winning ball games. So, If you had to pick a, the weakest part of your game or the one that maybe needs the most improvement, what would you say? Um, I would probably say probably my arm, which I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to that, getting to learn how to, you know, clean up my mechanics and, uh, you know, just really get, get my length more, get more length in my, in my arm. So, uh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. And last question, 
what is Colton Ledbetter doing away from the baseball diamond? I'm golfing, man. Either golfing or fishing. One of the two. I, I got the golf itch right now. It's bad. But, uh, but yeah, either golfing or fishing. Yeah. Well, as you know, Florida has uh, plenty of golf courses for you. I think you're going to fit in nicely down here. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Looking forward to that. Well, thanks for taking the time, Colton, and congratulations. Yes, sir. Thank you so much. When it was all said and done, the Tampa Bay Rays, led by their director of amateur scouting, Chuck Ritchie, selected 21 players over three days in the 2023 MLB draft, including 14 pitchers, three shortstops, two first basemen, one outfielder, and one catcher. I spoke with Chuck Ritchie after to see how the director felt about his first ever big league draft. I'm very pleased. Um, I, I just think... You know, the whole process, whether it's the preparation in the off season or kind of executing a plan during the spring and making sure um, you get enough looks at the players you want. And then the actual, you know, draft room process of that, of bringing it all together, uh, you know, the last two weeks. Um, it, there's a ton of support here, whether it's from, you know, analysts, people in the office, scouts out in the field. It's 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 really part of a team. It's kind of like when you're playing, you know, everybody's everybody chips in and helps each other out. And it ends with kind of like a, a feel like you've got your own Super Bowl. So it, it's a really neat experience to see it all come together. And were there any challenges that you weren't anticipating that popped up during the draft? There's uh, there's always unforeseen things. I think, um, you know, you really don't know what players are going to get to 19. It's really hard to predict that. So, um, you know, as Hamilton Mark says, you've got to be very nimble and you've got to be ready to go a lot of different directions. And I think that's throughout the draft. Um, I think you can't really, you've always have, you always have to have backups and you've got to have plan B and plan C. And I think a few occasions throughout, we had to do that. If you had to put it, put it into words, what do you believe the Rays accomplished during the 2023 draft? Well, I think we brought a lot of value into the organization, not just, you know, obviously we concentrated on pitching later on in the draft, but early on, I think we, we really did a good job of, you know, getting a combination of good quality baseball players that know how to play, that also have tools. And then with Adrian Santana bringing in kind of a, uh, maybe a deeper projection to part of his game but, uh, you know, a high ceiling defender with athleticism switch hit. And you combine that with Braden Taylor and Colton Ledbetter. I, I think it's it was a really good day one mix that set us up for the rest of the draft. And the Rays took eight pitchers in a row between rounds five and 12. Can you tell us about some of those guys? Sure. Um, we took Trevor Harrison, a high school projection right-handed pitcher from, from right here at, in Mitchell high school. Uh, he can, he can pitch and he's com combines projection pitch ability and he's got a really good arm. And we just think it's a very, very good fit with our pitching program. Um, and then we, you know, we took a bunch of college guys. Some have had some su success. Some haven't, they're all bring different things to the table. And I think the really cool thing about these guys, when, you know, I, I called them all last night and just the, in their voices, how excited they were not just to play professional baseball, but to have a chance to come into the Rays organization. I think the reputation for pitching um, really, in, in all honesty, might have helped us get a few of these guys. And I'm anxious to see how they develop. 
And last question from me, Chuck, how much sleep did you get the last three days? <laughs> Not much. Uh, I think between the hours we were here and the adrenaline of the first two days, you know, even uh, I think I got home about one thirty on Sunday night and you were still pretty fired up. And then we came right back in and uh, kind of built the board, uh, put it back together um, on Monday morning. So, yeah, I, I, I think tomorrow is going to be a day of rest. <laughs> well, I'm glad to hear it. Congratulations, Chuck. All right, Chris. Thank you very much. We certainly appreciate the time of Braden Taylor, Adrian Santana, Colton Ledbetter, and Chuck Ritchie. Coming up on This Week in Rays Baseball, Rays General Manager Peter Bendix joins us for a midpoint assessment of the season. That's coming up next. We continue on This Week in Rays Baseball with Rays General Manager Peter Bendix. Peter, thanks for taking the time. Glad to do it. Thanks for having me. Of course. And so... We're about halfway through the season, about to start the second half, or have already started the second half. How do you assess where the team is currently? Very, very pleased with our first half. Um, I think that we expected to be competitive, and we expected the division to be very competitive, and both of those things have played out. What has been the biggest surprise, though? Was it the 13-0 start? I mean, you said you thought you'd be competitive, but that start, I'm not sure anybody could have predicted, right? I don't think you'll ever predict a 13-0 start or a 13-game win streak. It's certainly been fun to watch. Um, I think our offense has performed kind of at the, the higher end of what we were hoping for. We expected to see a lot of steps forward, but to see them from virtually every one of our young players has been really cool. What have been the biggest challenges so far about the first half of the season that maybe you didn't see coming? You know, you always you know you're going to have injuries, but they're still a challenge. And to have the injuries that we've had and to have guys step up when the opportunity is presented, it's what you hope for. It's what you, you need to do if you're going to be successful. But fortunately, we've had guys take advantage of opportunities. You guys have had one of the best pitching staffs in baseball despite a number of injuries. I mean, Jeffrey Springs goes down. Drew Rasmussen also goes down. Yanni Chirinos has come back into the mix. Taj Bradley is up here maybe a little bit earlier than you anticipated. What do you make of the Rays' current pitching staff do you think it needs to be bolstered right now? You're always looking for ways to make the team better, especially this time of the year, and especially when our team is in the position that we're in. We want to win the division. We want to play deep into October, and we, we want to win our first World Series. So anything that we can do to make our team better, I'd say it's probably more likely pitching than position players, but you never know. There's a lot of different ways to make a team better. Let's talk about Taj real quickly. Obviously, extremely talented. He's shown flashes of brilliance, and other times he's struggled. But again, he's still only 22 years old. Was this earlier than you anticipated him being up in the big leagues? Probably. I think had there not been uh, you know, some injuries in front of him, I'm not sure when he would have come up necessarily, but he's ready for it. He's shown it. There's still developing to do, as there is for just about everybody, especially 22-year-olds. But he is a top-end talent. He's a top-end human. He's a great worker. He knows what he's doing out there, and you can see him get better in every start. So the trade deadline is coming up soon. August 1st, 2023. I'm sure our listeners are also curious how active have conversations been on the trade front? Always very active, especially when our club is in the position that we're in. You know, there's a lot of dynamics in play uh, in terms of the extra playoff spot. 
relative to past years, a bunch of teams relatively close to one another. Um, and But there's always conversations, there's always informal check-ins, formal dialogues, everything in between, just to see what the state of other teams are, what they're looking to do, how there might be a match with you, and to try to generate ideas. Is that a challenge in itself, though, that extra playoff spot? Because now that we have six postseason teams per league, you would think that that maybe creates an incentive for teams to who are not necessarily playing that well but maybe aren't completely out of it to keep going and maybe hang on to some of their assets. Yeah, compared to a few years ago when there wasn't that extra spot, there's more teams in the race. There's more teams that are gunning for more playoff spots. So it changes the dynamic in terms of which teams are willing to trade players away, which teams are trying to get better, and uh, just the prices of, of various players on the market. So in order to get where you want the race to go, how do you think you guys will go about fixing, not necessarily fixing the team, but maybe adding an arm or maybe a bat or, I mean, which positions do you think you might address? It's really hard to say. I think that it, it'll depend on which players are available. It'll depend on what happens between now and the deadline. It'll depend on whether there's any additional injuries, how players are performing. Certainly, I would love to be able to add an arm, two arms to this group, but we also know that we have uh, internal candidates both in the big leagues and maybe in the AAA who are capable of, of really helping our club too. You ended up with four All-Stars this year. Pretty impressive. Yandy Diaz, Randy Rosarena, Wander Franco, and Shane McClanahan. What does that mean to you as GM of the Rays? I love seeing good players get recognized for having great seasons. We have a lot of really talented players who might not be as well known as they would be if they played in a different market. That's neither here nor there, but to see them get recognized, to see them get recognized by their peers, to get recognized by the fans, to get voted in to start the All-Star game, it's an incredible achievement. It's an incredible honor for those guys. And who else do you think was deserving in, in your mind? because obviously a number of these guys could have also gone to Seattle. We have a lot of deserving players, and there's a lot of deserving players across the league, um, but I think that it's that carrot to see that it's possible to be a starter and to, to you know represent the Rays, represent yourself in the All-Star game, to see that it can happen to your teammates, it's that extra push for guys too. Well, we appreciate you taking the time today. Peter Bendix, Rays general manager, best of luck the rest of the season, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks very much. And we certainly appreciate Peter Bendix's time on This Week in Rays Baseball. We also want to thank all of our other guests on the show today, including Rays reliever Jake Diekman for sharing his incredible story, to Rays draft picks Braden Taylor, Adrian Santana, and Colton Ledbetter on being selected by Tampa Bay, and Rays director of amateur scouting Chuck Ritchie for describing heading up his first major league draft. If you ever have something you want to hear on the show, all you have to do is tweet me, and you can do so fairly easily at Chris Adams Wall and at Rays Radio. Thanks to Derek DeBose back at our network studios, plus on-site assistance from Mark Miller and Parker Welch, plus additional assistance from Andy Freed, Neil Solons, Chris Miller, as well as Becca Carney and Alex Fuse. I'm Chris Adams Wall. We're getting ready for Rays and Royals, the series finale from Kauffman Stadium in Kansas City, Missouri. Zach Eflin is on the mound against Brandon Singer as Tampa Bay goes for the sweep and tries to make it four consecutive wins. We'll see you next week. Enjoy the game, everybody. Thank you for listening to This Week in Rays Baseball. 
Breaking ball lifted to the air, way up there, into right field and deep. Judge is going back towards the corner at the wall. Gone! And the Rays jump in front, 4-1. to one. If you missed any of the show, catch it at RaysBaseball.com slash radio.